Good morning. Good morning. We're glad that everyone is here this morning, and uh, I've met several visitors, and we're uh, we're just thankful for them. And then we have uh, many on home or TV watching us, and we're certainly glad that they joined in today. I hope uh, I hope you're excited this Lord's Day. We get an opportunity to come and worship and praise our God. We get to do it in a free country where our assembly is protected and we're surrounded by people that love us. So I'd say we're a blessed people and I hope you feel that way. And we're also blessed in that we've got some new members here at, uh, at West Irwin. David and Stephanie Beard, I told them I was going to get them to stand up and I don't know where they located at. Oh, there they are right there. In fact, I just found out Stephanie's just coming home. She was here several years ago, and she's back, and so we're excited about that. And uh, I don't see Josh Barnes. He placed membership with us also. He's a young man and uh, and, a lot to to offer this church, and we're just um, so thankful for that. We, uh, it's time to do the uh, elders' prayer. And I want, to, I want you to know that we believe that is an important part of the worship service. I believe it probably would be more accurately titled the uh, church member prayer. You know, I know in, in my life I have, uh, I have asked for prayers during that time and it seemed like I'd done all I could do. And so I asked the church to, to petition God on my behalf. No, now the... Uh, now that I knew when I had them to petition, I knew the answer was in God's hands and the outcome was, uh, it was determined by the Creator, which always brought me comfort. Maybe I couldn't uh, totally always understand the answer, but I did find comfort in God's promises by faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 1-11, Paul uses the word comfort ten times concerning his afflictions. In the final verse of that, it tells you, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us in answer to many prayers. So today, uh, today we have a church member's prayer. Several will be mentioned. Others will be on this bulletin. And I hope that you will look and see those names and maybe give them a call or send one of our encouragement cards. I think some of them would appreciate that much, very much, to get encouragement. And some of the people that we're thinking about today may just be in our heart, for those of here and also at home. They may have been sick or heartbroken, depressed, or... Some have addictions or some may be just uh, struggling with their faith. So we want to pray for each one of them. God knows. and This will include all of these in our prayer and we'll give this to our mighty God aware of all of our concerns. I think it's important that we collectively pray as a church for the concerns of the individual that needs comfort. So if you would, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we just come today to worship you, our great, our creator. We are thankful for, for the life of rich blessings. We are thankful for this church. This church of refuge in a fallen world. A place to refresh our strength and faith. We place our trust in the one that gave his life. For we know that we know that we're not saved by our actions, but by Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, bless, bless this church and give us strength in this world of uncertainty.
and grant us peace in times of earthly challenges and always help us keep our eyes on the eternal home. Father, we, uh, we have many concerns about loved ones in our lives and it is great comfort to bring them before the Almighty. You know our concerns, but, but we need to ask you by faith and receive the comfort that can only be received from the throne, throne of grace. Father, we, uh, we pray for Anna Thomas, Michael's sister, who's having surgery. We pray for Charlotte Hopkins, Brianna Dean, Roy Fraley. We pray for Nita Kennedy, Kay Stanley. Father, we pray for little Eli, who's been through so much in his short life. And Father, there's, there are so many more. There's so many more in the bulletin that, that need your help. And Father, we just pray for each one of them. Help them and comfort them. Father, we, uh, we know that, that you can, are the only way that we can receive this comfort, the ones that we have in our hearts right now, with your healing hand. And we pray that you will comfort them and that you will give us peace. Father, I am, uh, I am often judgmental of others and their actions, yet I, I ask that I be judged by your grace and mercy. Lord, Lord, I just pray that for each one of us, for we come to you today and tell you that we are sinners. We've sinned against you, and Father, we are sorry, and we do try to do better, but Father, we have our own struggles, and we just pray that you'll be with us and help us to be more like Christ each day. Father, we pray, we pray for an unimaginable reward of eternity in a mansion built and paid with Christ's holy blood. We make all these requests. We place them in your hands and ask them through Jesus' name. Amen. As I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. Please be saved through the sinking sand, it is the Christ of Calvary. This would be my prayer for each sinner coming to the blessed side. 
seated, please. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Many, many years ago, a group of people gathered around a table, and so began not just a tradition, but a memorial. And when Jesus said those words to the people around his table, it has not been forgotten over time. 
Many things set around tables get forgotten, but not the communion table. Communion has looked different over the years, for the last 2,000 years. There have been places where people were fighting against each other in the battlefield, like the 9th of April in 1944. On that particular Easter Sunday, when the Americans asked for a ceasefire for just an hour, and they shared communion. Or earlier than that even, when at the end of the Civil War, Robert E. Lee went forward in the church that he was attending that Sunday morning because nobody else would go up to take communion with the black man that had gone forward. Communions looked different, but it's always brought us back to Jesus. And that's what communion is. It reminds us that we are with him completely. It reminds us that it's not about us, but it is about him. Too often, it's words that we forget. And what we need to be sure of, that it's what's in our hearts that we don't forget. And so today, as we've gathered around this table, so to speak, remember how it looks different? We gather around here with each other to take this communion together. And so this bread that we're about to take represents the body of Jesus Christ. It is that we are a part of the body of Christ. And it's not to be taken lightly. It's not to be taken insignificantly. But it rather is to taken, be taken by our heart and be taken in a way that brings glory and honor to him. Let's pray. Father, as we take this bread, we're reminded not just of what Jesus did on the cross, Father, but we're reminded that we are a part of the body of Christ. Father, we give you the glory and the honor. Father, we pray that we can... Be worthy of what you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On July 20th, 1969, there is a story that might surprise you. If you are really good with dates, you'll remember what happened that day. Two human beings changed history by walking on the surface of the moon. What you might not know about that day was before those two men exited the lunar module, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong were a part of that mission, and they were there, and 
Buzz Aldrin took communion on the surface of the moon. The words we remember are one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But before those words were spoken, this came over the intercom. This is the LM pilot. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in, whoever and wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours and to give thanks in his or her own way. And at that moment, there was a pause, and Buzz Aldrin took communion. The first liquid to be poured on the surface of the moon was the juice that we take that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And the first words spoken on the moon were about Jesus Christ, who made the earth and the moon. And so many things can happen in our lives that we forget about the things that are most important. And so many people we encounter, it makes us wonder how big and how grand is his church. And his church gathers to take communion together. And today, that's what we have done and where we are. Galatians 3.26 says that in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus made us all one. And that's the reason we gather today. Let's pray. Father, as we're reminded, not just as we look around, but as we think about all over the world today, people taking communion together because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because specifically of the blood that he shed on the cross for us. Father, help us to be like him and see the world like him and see the people around us like him and to love each other like he did. Fathers, we take this cup. May we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week of June, each year for the past, oh, seven or eight years, there's been a group of us from West Irwin who have gone and helped um, the church, the mission place that we've been a part of for many years, the Carrollton Avenue Church in New Orleans. Our focus has been to help the ministry there that they started a bunch of years ago called the Kid City Camp. And the Kid City Camp is part of the Mid-City Ministries, a part of New Orleans where uh, this church has decided that their outreach and focus is going to be really heavy into catching the kids in the neighborhood. 
And so um, they do year-round tutoring for the kids at the church. They do uh, activities where they bring them together in the neighborhood. They, um, the first trip that we took down there, we took down an old house that was in a lot across the street, and they've turned that into a playground, a place of safety for the whole, um, whole neighborhood to be able to use a place where they can go and play and just be a part of and do games and activities and meet with, with the folks from the church there. One of the things that they do each year is a three-week summer camp. Their summer camp is not typical. It is, uh, thank goodness, you don't have to stay in a tent anywhere or a cabin with no air conditioner, but we do get to sleep in the church building on cots. Uh, but the kids don't. They get to go home at night, but they're there every day from pretty well 8.30 to 5. And the three weeks of summer camp are a lot about uh, keeping the kids learning by doing science projects, by learning uh, to do math projects, by doing the drama things that they do, and a whole bunch of things, as well as the heart of the matter. Every week is focused about a specific theme from the Bible. This year it was from the life of David. And our Danielle Russo has, for the last several years, has been there all three weeks of camp and kind of headed their drama part that they do all year long. And so she's done a great job with that. But these kids, typically 50 kids in the Uh, kindergarten really through fifth grade and then another 25 or so kids who are older than that who come back and help as counselors and they've been really really awesome over the years and our group has been blessed to be a part of that um, for the past uh, six or seven years and this began back in the early 2000s somewhere around 2000 or 2001 this year our first day of camp as you see in the picture up on the screen there's a young man named Manny, who was baptized. Manny grew up coming to camp, and a couple of months ago, um, he's 20 now and fixing to go off to college. He's been away at college, but he comes back to help at camp when he can each year. And Manny's little brother passed away, Theron. A couple of months ago, he had a series of seizures, and he uh, passed away after two days of being in the hospital. And so very heartbreaking to not only just our people who've been a part of that camp, but also to the kids and the counselors and the other adults there who are part of that. And Manny, uh, Manny could have gone any direction after that, but he said, today's the day, now's the time. And so we were able to be a part of that and to be blessed by seeing him make the best decision he'll ever make in his life. This ministry has been supported by uh, West Irwin for the last few years, and we appreciate the opportunity to go and take that small group of of teachers down there to be a part of their Kid City Camp. And I just want to say thank you for your role in that and helping make that a possibility. And so today, you know, we, we give to all kinds of things. There's all kinds of different stuff that you give to. You give to pay the electric bills for having air conditioning in here today, thank goodness. And you give to uh, helping other ministries that go around. Um, Just look around and see what's being done to bring glory and honor to God and to build his church and to build the kingdom. And the New Orleans mission trip is a part of that, and we thank you for your blessing of encouragement to keep it going. It's time for our kids to go to the BLAST program. Let's uh, meet your teachers back there. And before Bill's lesson to us this morning, let's all stand and sing Seek Ye First. <laughs> Seek Ye First of
Again, good morning and welcome. Uh, we appreciate everyone being a part of this very good assembly here in person. We uh, welcome and appreciate those who are worshiping with us online as part of our congregation of believers and worshipers uh, as a part of our West Irwin family today. We appreciate you all so very much. And I certainly want to amen everything that Danny shared uh, just a few moments ago as we look at those pictures of that New Orleans mission group and the vacation Bible school that was put on, the, the ministry that was done with the children and the community there and has been for years. Uh, God is praised because of that, and we appreciate all of you who did that and were a part of that and have been for such a long time. Uh, it's just, as he said, one of many, many great works and ministries and blessings that happen through our West Irwin Church family. Over the weekend, we had a group of about 25 that went to Branson. Our, some of our youth and youth families went to Branson and enjoyed uh, some time together and also enjoyed uh, that wonderful presentation of uh, the Jesus uh, production there in Branson. And uh, I know that they would love to tell you about that. And so I hope that you'll have the opportunity to share about that with them. And of course, today is the first day of our Vacation Bible School. Our VBS begins today, Donnie Cook, and all of the so many, many workers that will uh, make this happen uh, have been working for uh, literally weeks and weeks on this, and uh, months likely. Uh, today it begins, this evening at 5 o'clock, we'll have a, a class across the way for adults at 5 p.m. from 5 to 6 uh, in our office classroom over there, not in the chapel, but in the office classroom. And our singing class will go on as well. And so uh, hopefully you'll be able to participate in that and then take part and uh, uh, check into all of the wonderful things that are being done this week with Vacation Bible School. That'll be tonight, tomorrow night, and Tuesday night. And then Wednesday, uh, Tucker our Sullivan, our youth minister, will be our speaker in our summer series about uh, risk takers, putting your faith on the line. I'm not sure, Tucker, if the way you're going to go with that is you take a risk and put your faith on the line when you volunteer for VBS, but that uh, he's going to uh, be sharing this Wednesday night uh, at 6.30, and I hope that you'll be a part of all of that. So many wonderful, wonderful things and opportunities for ministry, opportunities to be helped, opportunities to help others. Um, and doing that all in the name of the Lord, uh, giving honor and glory to Him is what this church is all about. This morning, if you were asked to describe people today in one word, what would it be? What would it be? What comes to your mind? You may whisper that uh, to your neighbor. Uh, you may be thinking of it in your mind. Um, uh, you may be confident enough that yours is such a good answer that you have said it out loud and three or four pews can hear that. Uh, that's a-okay. If you were asked to describe people today in one word, what word would that be? I have several nominations um, on mine, and there are a whole list of things that could go in this blank today. Nervous comes to mind. Afraid comes to my mind. Cynical. <laughs> I think cynical is a direct result. The degree of cynical is a direct uh, uh, correlation to the uh, number of minutes that you have uh, spent on social media. That could be something there. Another term is stressed. In fact, that's one of the first ones that come to my mind. If you were asked to describe people today in one word, what would it be? This is the word that I have chosen. How about tired? How about tired? We are just tired. If you've lived a while, then you probably remember the Industrial Revolution. Well, you may remember hearing about the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> Although some of you, well, let's not go there. Um, 
you, you, we see the Industrial Revolution and all of the great inventions and the, the, the way it changed society and how we live our lives, how we do all of our tasks. And then you also consider the decades following when we began to see more and more machinery, things like washing machines and automobiles really took hold and became popular and everywhere. And now over the last uh, few decades, I guess, technology has, has come around. Joyce and I were watching a movie uh, in the last few days and uh, you could tell very quickly that it was before the internet. I mean, you just, you just know because he stops to make a phone call and there's this weird looking thing called a pay phone. And, uh, and so we, we get that. We understand that. And if I remember correctly, one of the things that I heard about all of that is that this is going to make our lives so much more simple, easy. It's going to give us so much more free time so that you can relax, so that you can do the things you want to do because the tasks that you have to do are so much easier now and they're so much more efficient and they take far less time. Is that how that's turned out? Maybe for some, a few. It's interesting to me that in spite of all of that, in spite of what we have and where we are today, if you were to ask someone, what is the one word that you would use to describe how you feel right now, they very well might just say tired. Man, I am tired. I'm just tired. And why is that? We're in this series on the Ten Questions. I'm going through the Ten Commandments and putting a question for each commandment that we can ask ourselves that I think becomes a reflection and a good barometer on how we're doing with that particular commandment. Commandment number one was put God first. Our question was, who is your God? Today's lesson kind of relates a little bit to that as well. Commandment number two was don't sell God short. And that was the question, how big is your God? Commandment number three was watch your words last Sunday. I think a very important lesson for us in our society today. The question was, how's your language? How's your language? Something that God takes very seriously. Today is commandment number four, and it's simply this, make time for the important things. Make time for the important things. You've probably wondered since we first started this series, I wonder what Bill's going to do with observe the Sabbath commandment. Well, today you get the answer. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11 is where we find commandment number four, make time for the important things. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Make time for the important things. The fourth of the Ten Commandments asks the question, and that's the title of the lesson today, what does your calendar look like? What does your calendar look like? You know, it's interesting to me in this passage as he talks about where this came from. It came from an eternal, all-powerful God who is not physical at all, but is a spirit. Spiritual. And yet, God rested. We'll come back to that in a moment. The fourth of the Ten Commandments asks the question, what does your calendar look like? And I I think this is a true statement. The greatest difficulty we have in planning our calendars is competition between good things or bad things. Good things. 
If it was a question of should I do this good thing or should I do this bad thing, easy. Or if it was a question of should I do this thing that is right and just or should I do this thing that is sinful? Granted, we make the wrong decisions even then sometimes. But if that were all the decision was in deciding how we spend our time and what our calendar looks like, it would be easy. We would always choose the good thing. We would always choose the thing that is not sinful. But the difficulty here, I think, comes from the fact that there are so many good things to choose from. And so how, now, how do, we, how do we spend our time? How do we make that choice? That's kind of where we're going with the lesson today. And here's one of the first principles that I think directly comes out of this commandment. And that is this, make time for worship and rest. Make time for worship and rest. Not spend time. Make time for worship and rest. Because in our world today, I believe that for us to do those things will take deliberate decisions and actions on our part. We don't accidentally find time for worship and rest in our calendars. We put it there. We do that on purpose. And I hope at the end of this lesson you'll understand why. We think about the last few years and it's just been crazy. This is an, a crazy lesson to preach post-pandemic, right? And the, the effects of everything we've been through over the last few years has really hit this hard, I think. It's hit everything hard, certainly including this. And, you know, we went for a while where everyone was working at home. I, our staff was working from home for a while there. We didn't have any uh, assemblies here. Our staff and an elder would come up here, our ministers and worship leaders would come up here and we would record, and some of our sound guys would be up here and meet us, we would record what we were going to have for our Sunday worship service, and we did that on Wednesday, and then we would broadcast it that Sunday, we would have music that we had permission to use and record it, and all of that went on for uh, about five weeks in 2020. And a part of that uh, adjustment was working from home. And I can tell you, working from home is, uh, it, you know, it sounds glorious. I actually enjoy it, but it's because I think Joyce and I have figured that out. Because when you work, you think, boy, I can't wait. I, I would love to be able to work at home. I could be at home and have free time all the time. Nope, that's not how that works out. It's the opposite, isn't it? Those of you that work from home, you're never off. You're never away from work. Unless you deliberately make that decision. That's been a hard adjustment. Because of the pandemic, we have people who have had their hours cut. They have lost their jobs. They have had salaries cut. It's been hard. We have limited worship and Bible study and other activities for a while. Now it's much better. It's almost back to where it was pre-pandemic. But boy, for a while there, we were really limited in the church-wide activities that we had. It was, it was difficult, and in many cases still is. Whether pre-pandemic, during pandemic, post-pandemic, you have to make time for worship and rest. So a few things about that today. First of all, from creation, God intended for people to do just that, to make time for worship and rest. Uh, we go back to what uh, Moses refers to in Exodus 20, what Jesus would later refer to as well. And we look at this passage in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I don't believe God did that because he was tired. I think he did that because he knows we would be tired. 
And so he gave us that great example of the Lord God, the supreme, eternal, most powerful creator. Stopped and rested. And as Moses comes along and those Ten Commandments are given, this is one of them. And it points back to this event. And I think this whole thing is uh, given great importance. And not the least reason of which is the fact that it goes back to creation. It goes back to God creating humanity with that vision. There's a lot of questions and and confusion about uh, uh, gender ideology and whether you're male or female or something else. And we go back to creation. Because in the beginning, it wasn't that way. He created us male and female, and and that was it. In the image of God, all of us. Same with marriage. God instituted marriage to be between a man and a woman, and it was going to be a lifetime commitment. That's the vision that God has. We'll speak more about those a little bit later in this series, as you know. Moses affirms that. The prophets affirm that. The New Testament writers affirm that. Jesus affirms that. And when he affirms it, he does so by going back to here. Going back to when God created this from the beginning. Even when God gave them manna, as you know, in the book of Exodus, when they were in the wilderness, he told them that um, on the sixth day they were to collect for two days. Because on the seventh day they would rest. And that manna miraculously would not spoil. But if they went out to try to pick it on the seventh day, it wouldn't work. From creation, God intended for people to make time for worship and rest. Secondly, the Sabbath and Sunday. Bill, what about that? Well, let's talk about that, shall we? The Sabbath and Sunday. In Matthew 28, Matthew records about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What day of the week did that happen on? Happened on the first day of the week, not the Sabbath. The first day. Very early on the first day, the gospel writers are very clear about that. The resurrection occurred on the first day of the week. In Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. What day of the week was that? It was a Sunday. It was the first day of the week. Not Saturday, Sunday. How do you know that, Bill? Well, because the Pentecost was a Jewish festival that occurred 50 days after the Passover. And the Passover was always on Saturday. So now you have this time where uh, the church is preaching the message of Christ, repentance and remission of sins, just as Jesus had prophesied in Luke 24, and it happens on the first day of the week. The message comes out, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That happens clearly, on the first day of the week. You go forward a little bit in the book of Acts, and that's Acts chapter 20, verse 7. And Paul is on one of those mission trips, much like the group that was in New Orleans. And it says in Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, we gathered together to break bread. They ate every day. (laughs) But on Sunday, the first day of the week, they met with the church in the midst of this mission trip, They found the church in the city of Troas where they were that day, that week, and they shared communion together. What a wonderful example that that Danny shared. Those examples of of, uh, uh, a, a communion being shared during World War II, a communion being shared just after the Civil War, a communion being shared when men were about to walk on the moon for the first time. How important is that to you? How important is remembering to meet with the church, to partake of that bread and remember his broken body and the sacrifice that we are called to make for each other with our bodies, to meet with the church and drink of that grape juice that represents the blood that Jesus shed for us for his church, Scripture says. 
And so we worship on the first day of the week. The Sabbath was the seventh day, Saturday. The Lord's Day is the first day of the week, Sunday. And it's called that way in secular circles as well. And it's interesting that that is the first day of the week when you look at a calendar, even today, 2,000 years after. (laughs) Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. Scripture says exactly what the Christian Sabbath is. And we'll come back to that. Third, uh, Jesus and the Sabbath. In Luke chapter 4, it's almost nonchalant. Jesus is about to go to his hometown of Nazareth where he was raised. And it says that uh, on the Sabbath day, Jesus went into the synagogue as was his custom. And it's in that setting that he is handed the scroll of Isaiah the prophet and he reads that scripture and he says this is being fulfilled in your sight and it's an incredible, incredible moment. But what, what some, somehow or another may lose our attention is that little statement about Jesus. On the Sabbath, he went into the, the synagogue as was his custom. If it was the Sabbath day, you didn't have to ask, where's Jesus? You knew. You knew. He was at church. Church for the Jews of the first century. He was at the synagogue. And Matthew 12 is one of those chapters that speak about Jesus and his activity on the Sabbath. And he gets in trouble a lot on the Sabbath because he was trying to help people understand what that Sabbath was. It was about worship and rest. And it was not about this meticulous command that the Pharisees and the other religious leaders had said. Uh, According to Rick Ashley, 1,521 ways to break the Sabbath had been determined by the Jews. 1,521 ways that you could break the Sabbath. And they find Jesus doing that by gathering grain with his disciples on the Sabbath, by healing someone on the Sabbath. And it upsets them, but that's not what the Sabbath is about at all. And Jesus tried to demonstrate that to them. And so you have that great statement in those passages. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of all, but he is Lord of the Sabbath. And I think we would all agree with that. I don't think any of us would say, no, Jesus wasn't Lord of the Sabbath. He had no right to do those things. He was breaking God's law. I don't think any of us would say that. He unequivocally says, the Son of Man, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And we would all go with that. But how about this question? Is Jesus the Lord of my calendar? Oh, sure, he's Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah, he could heal a man. He could gather grain. He could do whatever he wanted on the Sabbath. Is he the Lord of my calendar? Want to get a good read of your devotion to the Lord? Take a look at your calendar. Consider your appointments and your schedule, your planner, your cell phone. Take a look at that from an objective perspective and say, what does this chronicle of my life on a day-to-day basis, what does this say about my devotion to the Lord? What does it say? Much like taking a look at our checkbook register online, (laughs) And asking yourself, what does that say about my giving? What does that say about whether or not I am prone to materialism? Well, again, that's another commandment later in the series. Is Jesus the Lord of my calendar? Fourth this morning, honor God with your time and your schedule. Honor God with your time and your schedule. That's what this command is all about. In Ephesians 5 and Colossians 4, Paul writes to first century Christians and churches and he says, make the best use of your time. Use your time wisely. Make the most of every opportunity, some versions say. Use your time wisely. Honor God with your time and with your schedule. And then these familiar words in Hebrews chapter 10. 
Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We have many in this congregation that are worshiping with us online because that's what they need to do. And we want you to know that we bless you. And we appreciate you very, very much. There are others who are worshiping online who should be here. Because this is the best opportunity and the best time to do what we just read is commanded in Scripture. You don't get as much of an opportunity to encourage us if you're not here. Or to receive that encouragement if you're not here. And that's what Hebrews 10 is all about. You see, it's not a scripture that says, oh, you need to go to church because if you don't, you're going to get struck by lightning. (laughs) This is the lightning bolt, by the way. I don't know if you got that or not. Can you guys zoom in? Never mind. Um, Or I go to church because I don't want to go to H-E double toothpicks. And that's been our approach to Hebrews 10 at times, hasn't it? I say that as a preacher at the front of the line on that one. And I'm sorry. And I repent. Because that is not what this verse is about. This verse is about helping each other remain faithful. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is about, but especially chapters 10 and 11 through chapter 12, verse 3. Helping us to not give up. Encouraging one another because we need it. And the great verse in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else will take care of itself. Maybe not exactly like you expect or even want, but it will. Honor God with your time and with your schedule. You know, it, it used to be that you didn't have to put it on your calendar, we're going to church Sunday. <laughs> or we're going to class Wednesday night. Or we're going to vacation Bible school. You just did. That decision was made as a family. The kids knew it. The adults knew it. That's just where you went. Because that decision was made when you were drying off after your baptism. Use your time and schedule wisely. Two things I think are especially important when we plan our calendars. And that is priorities and balance. Priorities and balance. And I get sometimes they can be intention. And so I've got... I've got a a short list of four priorities here, and I would love to expound on them. We don't have time, and plus, I could add a whole bunch more. But here are four things. Number one, God. Number two, family. Number three, job. Number four, ministry. God, family, job, ministry. And by God, I mean your personal relationship with God. How is that doing? Oh, Bill, I'm involved in all kinds of ministries. No, that's not number one. That's number four. And that's why we give each other leeway on what we're involved in. And we provide as elders and ministers and leaders of this church family, we provide lots of opportunities for ministry because that, that's a part of who we are and what we do. And if you're not involved in anything, that's not right. And that's a number one issue about your relationship with God. God comes first, then family, which I think includes spouse, children, even taking care of yourself. God, family, then job. (laughs) Job is important. And then number four is ministry. And the difficult challenge for ministers is these all get melded together. (laughs) How do you distinguish between them? And that's hard. Barna Research in a recent study says 53% of ministers say it is at least somewhat difficult to find time in their ministry schedule to invest in their own spiritual development. Why? We're too busy. We're too busy with numbers three and four to do number one. That's why I love the daily Bible reading stuff because that's, that's where I get that. I'm reading something that doesn't have anything to do with my sermon this week. And it challenges me to grow spiritually myself. Take a look at those. God, family, job, ministry. 
and be committed to writing out your calendar with a respect and appreciation for priorities and balance. Well, the Christian Sabbath rest that remains today is what? It's heaven. It's heaven. And Hebrews chapters 3 and 4 state that specifically. And it goes back to the time when uh, the Old Testament writers were talking about what happened in Moses' day and then Joshua's day. And God told Moses and God told Joshua, those people that were disobedient to me in the wilderness, they will not enter my rest. In fact, Psalm 95 looks back on that and says that specific thing. They will not enter my rest. And so the writer of Hebrews in chapters 3 and 4 makes a big deal about that. He says, we have a Sabbath rest still to come. And that's heaven. That's our eternal home. And you don't want to miss that. You don't want to give that up for some of those other things that might be in our calendar that competes with that. Why? Because we are called upon to put... God first. And so what does your calendar look like? Christian Sabbath rest that remains is one that we don't want to miss, and it's heaven. And that's why we meet together, and that's why we're involved in ministries together, and that's why we help each other to remain faithful. And so we close today with this question, is today the day you see, in Psalm 95, looking back at those Old Testament events involving the, the uh, transition into the promised land and those who were not able to enter because of disobedience, it says today is the day. And yet some have missed it. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to act, to put God first. And if you haven't been doing that, then let me urge you to do that today. And if it means asking for prayers from your church family, believe me, we are all not, it's not that we are all have all been there. It's that we're all there <laughs> every day, every week. This is something we share and encourage each other. It's why we meet together to remind ourselves to put God first. And if that means being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, just like our brother Manny was when they were in New Orleans then today is today. The question is, is today the day you clear your calendar of all the fluff and put God first? Is today the day you make time once and for all for worship and for rest? Is today the day you become a more faithful Christian or a Christian for the first time? If we can help you make today the day, come as we stand, sing our song together. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and sin. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you so much for giving us a place where we can come and sing your praises and learn about you safely. Father, I pray that as we go back into our daily lives, um, that we make you a part of it, that we make time for you, Father, um, whether it be five minutes or more, um, that we just we spend time with you and we learn more about you um, outside of these doors. Father, I pray that you would look over us as we do go back in, into our jobs or back home this afternoon. And I pray that 
uh, you would look over us and keep us safe. Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins and we have fallen short of your will. And it's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Great is thy